0: I've invited uh, Dorothy Hanson to, to be here um, and to share a little bit in the beginning of this, this message um, because we've been looking at this whole idea of serving and we're in this time where we're kind of in the season of serve. We do this when we come to the spring as an emphasis because our whole purpose here is to um, <clears throat> to do whatever it takes to serve this West Metro, this community around us, right where you live, where you work, wherever you may be. We're trying to serve in the name of Jesus, and so we have the serve day coming up, the celebration Sunday. I really, on June 9th, please, that celebration Sunday is going to be so fun. We're going to have food trucks again outside for um, time afterwards to eat, and and then that certified cave, which comes later. It's a run walk. Love for you to be a part of that. But I asked Dorothy to come, and, and I knew a little bit about what had been happening in your life. We talked a little bit around this, but um, you had sent to me when I, I I said, would you come and share a little bit how God has been at work? And you sent me this verse, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. This idea that as you welcome children. And then you wrote, imagine welcoming the God of the universe into your living room every first Friday of the month. Which is what you get an opportunity to do. So why don't you tell us about what this first Friday of the month is. Which you have now called First Friday Friends. How did this start? What's this all about?
1: Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I retired in 2007, and the Lord kind of laid on my heart that I wanted to bless children and their families, or in non-religious language, serve children and their families till the day I die, pretty much. And... um, Fast forward to 2011, I sold our family home and moved into a town home and there are a lot of kids in the neighborhood, and I discovered a lot of unsupervised kids in the summertime. Elementary kids with no one at home. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm trying to make a point here, Kevin. Oh, okay. Okay. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> so not our church family. I'm just it, no, no,
1: no, no. Uh, no. These are all worldly sinners. No. <laughs> I'm sorry I did not say that in public. All right. No, they're anyway, awesome awesome the families, story. but mom and or dad were at work and the elementary kids were just unsupervised all day long. It kinda of broke my heart. And um, I don't think that's the way the universe should work. And um, so I kind of got this idea, I would love to reach out to this, the kids in some kind of loving, informal way and just be supportive. So I came to a prayer time here at the church and asked for prayer about this nebulous dream I had. And Kevin was the one who happened to pray for my request, and we just asked God to, uh, or he asked God to open up a way and show me what to do. So um, the following summer, so it was a long time. The uh, following summer, a hot Friday afternoon, and um, my garage door was open. There were a bunch of kids messing around outside of my garage. And I said, hey, kids, could you uh, maybe help me move these boards over to the side of my garage? There was a project going on. And maybe I can find some ice cream in my fridge afterward. Well, they were very motivated and...
0: Uh, that was the ticket right there, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, bribes and threats, that's how you do kids. Okay, so, um, uh, so anyway, so we had ice cream on my deck and we had a good time talking and laughing and then we came up with this idea, hey, why don't we become Friday friends and every Friday we'll have ice cream. So that's what we did. Well, then after that, it came to the end of the summer, and I'm thinking the school year, they have band practice, they have all these things. They don't really need a whole lot of support, but I want to keep it going. So we decided to go with First Friday Friends, Mm -hmm. and that's how Houston, we had liftoff. So...
0: Tell us a little bit of what's happened during that time. I love what you said. I wanted to reach out to the neighborhood kids in a loving and informal way. And I remember praying for you back then. And it took time. God, mm-hmm. when we have mm-hmm. dreams for God, we kind of think, well, we got this dream. He's going to do it right away. It took time. Mm-hmm. But in that process, you started doing those first Fridays. What are some of the ways that you saw God work?
1: Okay. In my own life, three ways. There are times when I have no energy. And I think, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And uh, seriously. and um, And then when the doorbell rings at five. God gives me energy. I have so much joy and so much fun with the kids, and we have a great time. The other way God has helped me is every time but one, he has provided helpers for me, uh, somebody that will bring a craft or, or planting plants or whatever. And then finally, a friend of mine, children are not her jam. She said to me, <laughs> big time, she said, I want to give you money because I am wa- so appreciative that you're trying to provide a safe place for children in your neighborhood. And then some ways that God has come in my door on Friday evenings in a verbal way. Um, I had a chance to pray with a girl who wanted to run away. Um, We now say grace before meals. We didn't when I started because I was shy. I hadn't built this as a religious thing. But I thought, you know, this is my home. I pray before we eat. I pay. I pray. That's just the (laughs) formula.
0: Let's go out for lunch. I like that (laughs) idea.
1: (laughs) Okay, and uh, just a couple of other quick things. We play Bible bingo. They would kill for the prizes. And But they they ask for Bible bingo, and um, it's just a way they learn the words Ten Commandments, Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, you know, just this crazy stuff they're learning, a little theology on a bun, you know. And then the last two things, um, Christmas... Uh, A gal named Becky came over and told the real Christmas story or the original Christmas story. She brought flannel graph and I thought, oh, the kids are going to think this is dweeby. No, they loved it. They got into it. She had baby Jesus up there and the shepherds. Then she pulled out a simple red cross and put it up on the flannel board and said, now let's think about why baby Jesus came to the earth. And it took your breath away. And I thought, none of the kids are going to come back next month. <laughs> they were all there. They, they were awesome. So, and then we sang Christmas carols this year. And a little girl said, could I please take this Christmas carol book home with me? And I believe her daddy is an atheist. So we just, so it's just wonderful. That is so cool. And, and it's messy and informal. So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going to kind of just sum up. I was going to ask you what you learned and you had shared with me that it starts with compassion. You started. You saw a need, and you said, "I want to move into that God," and and then uh, it, it it teaches you that in your neighborhood, you said every child has a story. So it's not just a compassion; it has actual, literal people that have stories that specifically God has put into your life. and And I, I just want to say the other things: pay attention to your desires, pray, and wait. And then when an the opportunities there, act in faith, step out. So what I want to do is just pray for you in this ministry, but I want to pray also for the dreams that God has placed in your heart that he may be saying, I want you to serve. I don't know where it could be. It could be at your work. It could be in a neighborhood. It could be at a social club. I don't know. But let's just listen, and, and I will pray. Father, I do pray right now for Dorothy and I'm so grateful for the way you moved in her heart and for how you have given her compassion and how she allowed that compassion to grip her and and then pray through it and then to wait and then to act when your spirit nudged you to do so and prompted that. And for the things that are happening in the homes because of these kids and they're being touched by this kind of love and service. God, I pray for others who right now might be asking for the first time, or might have felt compassion, or have been praying and waiting, and for some who know that God right now is even nudging you to act, we want to be explosively good for you and your kingdom. We pray that you would move. We thank you for what you're doing for Dorothy. We pray your protection on her and for your provision and for your presence as she ministers in her neighborhood. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Dorothy. Thank you. Well, it always takes guts for people to come up and just to share what God's doing, and I'm so grateful that you were willing to do that. what I want to do is, is have a stand together. We're going to read this passage of scripture in Mark chapter 12. And I'm going to read the first few verses. And at a, a point I'll let you read along with me. Because I want you to, to read those into your heart. So listen, as you would, now a certain religious scholar overheard them debating. And when Jesus saw how beautifully Jesus had answered all their questions, and that was happening right before his death, they were coming with one attack after another. This one was not an attack. This was someone I think was asking from his heart. He posed one of his own and asked him, teacher, which commandment is the greatest of all? And Jesus answered him, the most important of all commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now I want you to read these two verses with me. Let's read it together. You are to love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. The religious scholar replied, yes, that's true, teacher. You have spoke beautifully when you said that God is one and there is no one else besides him and there's something more important to God and there's nothing more important to God than, in the sense in all the sacrifices and burnt offerings. It's the commandment to constantly love God with every passion of your heart, with every thought and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor in the same way as you have loved yourself. And when Jesus noticed how thoughtfully and sincerely the man had answered, he said to him, you're not far from the reality of God's kingdom realm. He was basically saying, you are just one step away. You're at the entrance. And after that, no one dared to question him again. Lord, take these words and help us to understand you in it. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks. I have to give some credit to my Tuesday morning guys group. There's a, uh, I I meet with a couple of different groups, but this group is, um, we're already at Mark 12. I'm in another group. We're still back at Mark 3. It's the remedial group. I guess it's back there, but... um, The reality is there's a couple guys, specifically Jake Eklund and Davis Moline. I shout out to you guys because we, we entertain this question and ask this question, so they help write this message. So I just want to be really upfront with the fact that I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for small groups. It's one of the core values of our church is to be in community with people, whether it's a large or small group where you are actually growing in God's word and growing in relationship with others. I think the relationships that you have that I found in my life, I've been in a number of them, are those ones that you're in groups with, they seem to be the people who care and share. That's the church because those people come around you and love you and support you. Well, anyway... Jesus says something very important, and I guess I want to look at this message and just kind of take a few moments to get back to the basics, because every once in a while we just need to do the fundamentals, we need to go back to what's really important. We're talking about serving right where you are, and we sometimes get this whole thing of Christianity and following Jesus, and we make it religious, we get lost in all these traps, and there's one thing that's really important, according to what Jesus had to say, and that is to love God and love others, everything else is secondary, I'm pretty certain, first question you're going to get asked when you stand before Jesus, if, if, if this really happened, is he's going to ask, did you learn to love? I think what Jesus is all about is he's more concerned about who you're becoming than all the stuff you do. Because if you grow in the heart of love, as it says, out of your heart, you know, the mouth speaks, out of the flow of your heart, your mouth utters words. If you are growing in love, if you're learning to love, if you're becoming that kind of a person, you will then just do those kind of things. It becomes a part of who you are. Your character is transformed. And so I just want to say to us as a church, one of the most important things that we'll ever do, if we just want to get down to the basics right now, when we talk about a magical church, to do whatever it takes to serve, the word serve here, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, is to love. And, and, and Jesus was pretty clear on this. This is, this is important. There's a man, Jay Pathak, and we're going to have some of these books available for anybody who wants to grab them. I think there's about 30, so at the end of the service, you want to use this in a small group or you want to use it yourself. They're free. We want people to do this stuff. Jay Pathak, in a book called The Art of Neighboring, Building Genuine Relationships Right Outside Your Door, writes, I have come to believe that as followers of Jesus, one of the most worthiest endeavors we can undertake is to take the great commandment seriously and learn to be in relationship with our literal neighbors. I really like this. He said, by becoming good neighbors, we become who we're supposed to be. And as a result, our communities become the places that God intended them to be. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That word seems really big to us. The word really basically means, in a sense, that our goal is not to create disconnection with the world, but our goal is to remove disconnection of fear wherever we see it and wherever we go. That's a loving thing to do. And we know that happens when we're in relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's why we follow Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't create distance with broken people. Isn't that amazing? He saw disconnection, He saw fear, and He stepped in to broken people. We're broken people. We just, if we could all just come clear, I every once in a while say this, just look around, would you look around at people? They're broken, okay? I know they drive nice cars possibly, maybe live in nice homes, but you know what? We are broken. If we could just get at that level, the church would be a really safe place. That's why AA is so helpful to people. So here's the question. I kind of asked my Tuesday morning group, what does Jesus mean when he says love your neighbor as yourself? Think about it for a second. What does it mean for you to become, to learn to love? What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Let's just use this. That's the only thing we're going to look at this morning. And I want us to think about what that would look like. So just think about how easy it is to serve yourself. Gladly and willingly, you will serve yourself, right? When you have a need, so your stomach starts to rumble, right now it's starting to rumble, some of you are disciplined enough not to walk out, right? Some of you are going, I just fed you about two hours ago, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm not gonna feed you. We gladly and willingly, when we're hungry, serve ourselves. The other week I was out walking with some friends and we were walking and praying out through here and I wore some new shoes. I didn't wear socks and I ended up on both heels, especially this one, getting, you know how you rub a sore on your foot? And so I took my shoes off and I walked in my bare feet and then my feet were sore. Anyway, long story short, my feet are going, what in the world are you doing to us? Well, here's the truth. When I, um, the next few days and I was putting on shoes, I didn't go, well, it's stupid feet. Why didn't you just, you know, my, my response was to gladly and willingly go ahead, get band-aids and tape it all up and make sure that it was okay. I felt the need, I saw the need and I responded to the need gladly and willingly, that's the kind of servants. That's what it looks like when we talk about love. When when you see a need, and I'm not you know, some of you, in, in, like if you're an enneagram two, you know everything is about serving others, and you don't serve yourself or even know what your own needs are. I'm not talking about you. You're in good shape. Don't do this. I'm talking. I'm talking about people. Most of us, who when we see a need it's really easy to maybe passively walk by it because we don't have any space or margin. I'm, I'm notorious for not having any margin to meet a need. And it's sometimes trusting that when God is putting a need in before us, we will gladly and willingly just do what might need to be done for that moment. And, and you, I can tell you that you will see needs and, and you need to respond to the ones the Spirit of God is causing you to respond to. Here's how Jesus puts it. You must love others as much as you love yourself. Think about that. You must love others as much as you love yourself. Gladly and willingly serving others. That's how you do it. Just imagine what your marriage would be like if you did that. If, if you just gladly and willingly saw the need of your spouse and you just were, you, whoa, I can do that. Gladly. Willingly. Ephesians five twenty eight kind of puts it in a cool way. And he's talking here to husbands and he's saying, um, basically, husbands, don't be passive. I believe that's what his, his point is. It's actively be engaged in a relationship with your wife. Husbands, have the obligation of loving and caring for your wives or their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. I remember the very first time that um, I had this kind of situation where grace brought to my own attention. I, I don't, why is it guys that when we always think our marriage is just great? <laughs> Anybody else like that? And all of a sudden you find, and, and I remember, this was years ago, and I remember going, you know what, I gotta, I gotta get some help around this. I gotta understand something. And so I went to the therapist, scared to death, everyone's gonna see me, here's a pastor in the therapist office, whatever. I go in, and I sit down with the guy, and the therapist is an incredibly wonderful guy. He, he just asked me, he said, why, why are you here? And I thought, well, okay. Um, so, and he goes, what do you want? And I said, you know, I want to understand why I have more energy for work and, and some of the other activities and things I do than I do for my wife and my family. I know I'm not alone in that. And that began a real journey for me to start saying, God, how do I willingly and gladly begin to give myself to the needs of my own home in a way that really reflects the love of Christ? Am I learning to love in my home? Am I learning to love where I work? Where you work, what does it mean for you gladly and willingly serve when you see a need? Colossians says this, put your heart and soul into every activity you do. He's talking to people, he's really talking to slaves in that day, as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Serve as if you are actually serving the Lord. What does it look like for you to serve? And then there's another way I think we're called to serve and it comes in this passage. It's gratefully and sacrificially serve others. Gratefully and sacrificially serve others. Some of you don't serve Jesus and serve even others in a way where it's really out of a gratefulness. and, and, And that gratefulness is what produces sacrifice. Most of us, we hear the word sacrifice go, oh, shoot, I don't want to do that. Because usually out of duty or fear, that's how we end up doing our sacrifice. And that's not the way that, that Jesus seems to intend this here. In fact, this guy gets it because at one point he goes, I really see how important this is. This is more important than the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices. He was basically saying in our terms, I see all the religious stuff we do is, is kind of important, but if I don't have a heart of love, then it's really not really making a difference. And, and, and so he's grateful and sacrificial service is, is, is critically important. Because when you experience love, you, you can't help but love others in return. This guy really kind of understood what was on the final exam. Did you truly and authentically grow in love? And Jesus even said the sign, the mark. If you want to be marked by something that proves that you follow me, that you really know me, you know what the mark is? It's to love others. In that day, they used to followers of the rabbi, or whatever rabbi it would be. They'd have certain marks in their head or marks on the whatever outfit, whatever they were wearing. They were marked and said, "Oh, that's Hillel's, you know, servants, or that's Shemais, or whatever it would be." Well, they were saying, well, what's our mark, Jesus? And Jesus said, it's really simple. It's the mark of your heart. Your heart has been transformed because you've been experiencing the love that comes from God that you have experienced through me as Jesus the Savior. And because you experience that, it has transformed your life, and that transformation moves out in gratefulness and in sacrifice. No longer is it this idea that I'm giving because I'm trying to get my boxes checked so that God someday goes, wow, you did that, 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 that. It's not about, you don't serve others sacrificially, with a grateful heart, because you're trying to prove to God how much you love that you're that you're in love with Him. You do it because you have been transformed by His love, and you see it in very practical ways. One of the things people don't realize here or know is that within our church um, we have some areas of ministry that uh, that has been kind of cool. Um, so, for instance, one of them is we have a group of people. Who have, um, as couples, have had difficulty giving birth or getting pregnant and, and experiencing that, and so every once in a while, it, it seems like every like four, six months, somewhere in there, we pray for another couple, or we pray for I mean, sometimes it's just the wife that comes in, but we pray for them. And and God, it's amazing how often God has answered that prayer. I I will say it's short of miraculous. And and what's so amazing about that is, as that kind of thing happens, so often when we have another time, people who have been prayed for kind of go, I'd like to be a part of that prayer. They're not, they actually, they'll change their day or their work schedule, they'll do what they do because they want to show up because they have been touched by a love in a deep place of need, and they go, man, I'll do whatever I can to serve because I'm so grateful for how my life has been touched. We're seeing God do some really neat things right now, and I'm not saying that we want to have more of these. But with 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 Jack Amos and how God has he had a stroke, major stroke, and we seeing how God is doing restoration. We keep praying for full recovery. We we're going to move in and say, God, we want to see you keep working. and And the doctors are saying it's amazing. God's still doing it. And 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 we had an opportunity with our church chairman Bob and and in how this heart situation and and the prayer and God's working last. Friday night I ran to the hospital Fred Dranch who some of you know I was given the message that the surgeon had come out he had started; They had started around 7.45 in the morning And it was now 10 o'clock or so at night They had been given a call They were still in the operating room Because they were having trouble with the stitches attaching to a degraded part due to infection and stuff Around a valve that he was replacing in his heart And we came in and and a lot of people were praying and we came together and we prayed and about 15, 20 minutes later the surgeon comes out, thanks us for praying and says, it's stuck, it's working. Now, do you think people who experience that kind of just move of God and, and work of God, when God says, would you do this for me, they go, oh, no way. when God touches your heart. And so that's what he's saying here. He looks at him, he goes, you, you're you on the border of the kingdom. You get it, you understand. This is not about religious activity. This is not about proving your love to God through burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is simply about growing in a loving heart. And here's the key. You're one step away. You know what you need to do? What do you think he, he was calling them to do? He was calling to put his faith in Christ. You're, You're so close. But I want to tell you, you're not going to be able to do this on your own. The kind of love that comes out of a heart that's been touched in relationship with Jesus is shocking. It's not the kind of love that is natural. It is supernatural. And that kind of love cannot flow through you unless you are in that supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. So I just want to appeal to some of you who are one step away. You're close. You get it. You understand it means to be a loving person. But for some reason, pride, or for some reason, your fear, I don't know what it is, but it holds you back from saying, Jesus, come into my heart right now. I just ask your forgiveness. I want to receive your love. And I want to give you an opportunity right now and you know the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And it doesn't have to be some big flashy thing. All you need to say is, Jesus, would you enter in my life, forgive me for my sin, and, and remove my pride, and let me begin to flow. Not that you haven't been loving before, but this kind of love is the only kind of love that moves in, that removes your sin and your selfishness. Now, not immediately, but it begins to start to remove the things you thought were impossible to ever remove because you have the power of God flowing through you. And you begin to gratefully and sacrificially love. And then he talks about one other thing that I think is really, I think is a part of what he's saying. He says, humbly, in the ordinary everyday ways, serve others. Just serve right where you're at. He says, how do you do it? Gladly and willingly. Why? Why? Because you are grateful so that you can sacrifice. And now he just says, when? All the time. Right where you live. You don't need a big platform to make a big impact. Some of the greatest acts of service that have probably touched your heart are not the big, upfront, impressive acts of service. They're probably the ones that no one sees. You think back, they were consistently done and they're hidden from the eyes of others. Think about it for a second. Some of the greatest things that have impacted you. I, there's a person that's impacted my life. He was a seventh grade Sunday school teacher that I don't know why in the world he put up with me. I've never been able to thank him. He's, he's no longer living. He didn't do anything at all extraordinary in a sense of teaching. I could not tell you a thing he taught. He taught. I can just tell you that I know he put up with a kid who was screwed around a lot, and he loved me. And he loved me. Every Sunday morning, I bet you Saturday night, he was going, oh, God, give me patience. (laughs) Some of the stuff that makes the biggest impact in your life never makes the front page, nor will it be scrolling in the newsreel underneath the newsfeed, you know, that newsfeed. And it's going to be the little things that have touched your heart through what I call humbly and in ordinary everyday way, ways doing this. It's maybe the note you received in the mail or if someone stayed late with you and cleaned up. Someone who visited you in the hospital. Or maybe it was a meal that someone gave you during a crisis. It was in my life another time at a very difficult time. Uh, one of the guys from our church came to my house after a real some hard news and just sat with me. I'll never forget. And, and I won't even say a name because it's so special to have that kind of sacred kind of stuff going on in your life. Jesus was really clear. Guys, everything else is secondary to learning this kind of love and, and if you didn't hear the message last week I encourage you the kind of love that learns the difference between acceptance and approval that, that, that moves away from sameness and moves into the place of being a safe kind of person so that no matter where they may be I don't care if they're on the far right or the far left I don't care if morally they're living in a way that you just don't really like at all but you have the ability to love and to serve in humble, ordinary, everyday ways they can get a touch of Jesus. I have to say, the Christian community is the worst. We sometimes come in here and we have to look a certain way. We have to make sure everybody thinks we're doing it just right. But the reality is, folks, what I want us to grow in and continue to grow in is that we are people with brokenness and we show up with brokenness. It is okay if you feel broken. You're going, I don't even know. I've been in the church for years and I still don't experience God's love. I want to tell you something. God loves you. And Jesus gave his life for you whatever sin whatever you've done cannot keep you from this incredible love of God and guess what it shows up this love of Jesus shows up humbly in ordinary ways every day in your life I was thinking one of the things I wanted to do when I came this morning someone had mentioned to me and I thought it was right that we should really as a church just stop and pray for summer to come right (laughs) There's a few you are really clapping because you're like me, you're solar powered. And um, <laughs> Yeah. Where was I going with that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I got a feeling you'll see the sun in the next few days. That is a gift that God loves you. And so I just want us as a congregation to, to recognize once again the most important thing we can do is respond to the love of God with an, a humility that recognizes our sin and repents of it and as we recognize it and live in a repentance lifestyle it doesn't mean you have to go oh, all the time I'm a bad person it's not that at all it's, it's just you know what I, God I sinned he goes yeah, I, you, you tell me something new he goes, I know, it and I've seen it for a long time. All I want you to do is get in, admit it. If you admit it, then humbly just say, I want you to partner with me in life. That's as simple as it is. That's what it means to ask Jesus in your heart. Just, Would you partner with me and help get rid of this selfishness in me and help me learn how to love so when I stand before you someday, what is most important is not all the stuff I'm going to do, but who I've become, because who I've become is a loving person. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's been said, do what you can with what you have where you are. And that's all we're asking as a church family that we will do what we can with what we have right where we are. And it's really quite easy. It requires only a willingness and a humility and a simple, every morning as you step out of bed, yes, God, I'm here to attend to the needs that you place before me in this day. I will willingly and gladly serve. I will gratefully and sacrificially serve. And I'm going to do this in humble and ordinary ways all throughout this day. That's the follower of Jesus. I think we're going to be amazed someday when the value system of our world is turned upside down and we find that the smallest and least noticed acts of service have become and have the greatest impact when we begin to see the least is the greatest, and the first does become last, and the humble servant does become the most admired, well known, and most remembered. I want to share with you when you do these things throughout the day. You, there's a promise you need to know this. God notices this. is the smallest acts of love and kindness. He records it and he rewards it for eternity. Jesus looks at a lady. She's given a couple cents, and in fact, it's not even it's like a, it's a it's a percentage of a, a, a penny. And he goes. Look at that. She's given more than everyone else because she's given out of her lack. And she's doing it like a servant and he records it in his word and he rewards it for all eternity. So, i want to ask you to be specific and intentional in this command. I want you to love your neighbor, the person with the need next to you, the person that you see. I, I like what again Jay Pathak says in the Art of Neighboring says the problem is this. When we aim for everything we hit nothing. So when we insist we're neighbors with everybody, often we end up being neighbors with nobody. I want you just to take a moment and just bow your head and just listen for a second. Say, God, this week I want to be your servant. I want to learn to love. and I want to be sensitive to the need you you place in front of me. And if God right now is putting a need or he's putting a person would you just say yes God I see that need and and I want to attend to it in every way that you want me to. Let the spirit lead you. Okay. I'm going to ask you one other thing and we're going to kind of close here. This summer I went uh, I want to do something else. I want to specifically challenge us, each really every one of us here, to serve right where we live in our neighborhood. So this is kind of a summer challenge. Okay, I'd love for you to think about, is there someone in my neighborhood that maybe we can have over and grab dinner with? Or maybe it's like Dorothy, God's putting on your heart to maybe help with some of the kids in the neighborhood. Maybe grabbing another parent to do something. I just want you to pray about that and say, God, do you want me to serve my neighbor as myself, and are you going to ask me to do my literal neighbor? I want us to think about literal neighbor, and I want you to watch this video. May I ask Sarah to come, and then we're going to uh, kind of close the service, and the team, the worship team would come. And and I asked Sarah, who is our kids' ministry pastor, to maybe share some ideas, and uh, just take a moment and tell us how we could actually do this as neighbors, and and then we'll close. Oh, sorry, you need a mic. Just yeah just would yell, like would thing, you? But, yeah, what do you think <laughs> well,
2: because we we truly believe that there are ways to serve right where you are uh, we 've created a really simple template for you to see uh, for something for you to use and adapt that 's really, really simple, and it involves two steps: The first step is inviting your neighbors and their families over for food, so whether that 's a barbecue, a potluck, dessert. Whatever that looks like, that's the first step. The second step is to take that time to not only connect over food, but to meet a need by doing a service project. And if you're familiar with IOCP or Interfaith Outreach in our uh, neighborhood, they do a lot of really great stuff. And they've created a list of service projects that are really, really simple for you guys to do. Uh, Things like packing snack packs for their summer programs that they have for the kids, or uh, putting together laundry detergent packs uh, in small sizes that are easy for people to pick up who can't afford to buy laundry detergent. So there's a variety of different uh, service projects that they've given us. And in addition to that, we've also created, and I have them here. Oh, you have it right there. there you go. Uh, We've created invites. So these are basic invites that say neighborhood night out on them, and on the back there's a bunch of blanks for you to put all the details of your specific event that you want to do. Those are going to be out in the lobby, that and the actual service project sheet that you can grab, and if you have any questions I'm happy to answer those too, but we really encourage anyone, it doesn't just have to be young families, anyone in this room, whether you're single or you're married or you have a big huge family, you can invite a couple people, whole block whatever you want to do we just really encourage you to take the time to serve right where you are
0: thank you sarah (laughs) this is not some legalistic thing we're just giving you ideas go to the back in the in the uh, lobby there's a place they have this stuff if you'd like to be a part of it there's also books um these art of neighboring books we have of them back there they're free you can take them um and and please feel free to do that